Well, hello there and welcome to Tough Talk, the podcast for IT consultants. Well, today I'm in London, England to sit down in person with one of the most respected experts in the managed services cybersecurity space. Mostyn Thomas is the Senior Director of Security at Pax8 and is responsible for overseeing the company's channel security operations, empowering Pax8 partners to reduce risk, improve efficiency, and ultimately grow their business. Mostyn has more than 20 years of experience working with managed service providers, including founding Asterix Integrated Systems in 2001, a business he later sold to focus on cybersecurity. Mostyn is a qualified cyber essentials assessor and he holds security qualifications from CompTIA, the British Computer Society, BCS, and the National Cyber Security Centre. On a personal level, Mostyn is someone I've known and respected for a very long time, and I'm thrilled we have this chance to sit down and talk together. Mostyn, welcome to Tub Talk. Thanks, Richard. Good afternoon. Uh, great to be here. Great to see you, mate. And for... For the benefit of listeners, how long have we known one another for now? Um, do you know what I was? I was trying to. Uh, I was trying to fathom that out. I, I mean, it must be ten years. I'm, I'm guessing it's got. It's got to be that long. Probably longer. But uh, I'm trying to remember the first time we actually met. Uh, it, I, I think it was at a CompTIA event. I believe do you you're think right. So? Yeah. I believe you're correct. Yes. Yeah. yeah. There we go. Yeah. So we talked about probably in the bar. Probably in the bar. Yeah. Yes. I mean, neither of us drink apart from medicinal purposes. Indeed. So, uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so I guess for the benefit for our listeners who may not know your work, tell us a little bit more about your background. First of all, perhaps as an MSP prior to joining Pax8. Yeah. Okay. So uh, as, you, as you quite rightly said there in your introduction, um, yeah, we started uh, Asterix. Uh, I had two fellow directors. We started uh, an MSP back in 2001. Um and, um, and and progressed and and uh, and, and built that company um, to uh, a relatively successful one before we sold it. Um, we were an original MSP as well because uh, a lot of people who started IT companies when uh, when we were starting were were, were break break fix, you know, the Ooh. traditional IT companies and. Uh, uh, because of previous contacts and, and and just how the market was at the time, most of our clients at the time, we started with schools. Um, and schools, of course, have budget and just allocate it once a year. So you had the money and then you had to make it last. So we became MSPs without even knowing it, really, to start <laughs> with. Um, so having that payment and then having to manage it over, over a 12-month period and basically doing uh, less tickets for, for, for more productivity was was sort of inbuilt in, in Asterix from the start, really. Yeah. So. So we were we were fortunate in some ways, and we really enjoyed those days with uh, with schools. Learned so much, uh, if you pardon the pun, um, but learned so much about how to defend networks um, against people who were trying to uh, trying to break them. Fourteen year old kids normally, fourteen year old boys would uh, would be a uh, a really uh, solid adversary at that point, and. Um, and built a great team. So, uh, so yeah. So that was the, that was the MSP. And as you re- rightly said, we uh, uh, sold that in 2018. Um, or at least sort of sold the, uh, the the support part of it yes. or whatever, and retained the name, um, and started a, a cybersecurity practice then, um, which uh, which had a strong MSP favour because nearly all the clients of uh, of, of Asterix Cybersecurity then uh, were MSPs. Mm. Uh, that was our niche, uh, as it were. Not just any old cybersecurity company. We've uh, retained all that knowledge from being an MSP and got the T-shirt, and uh, and knew some of the mistakes we made and and, and other and other folks. So uh, so um, hopefully we do a reasonable job of helping MSPs keep safe 
and their clients, obviously, as well. Yeah. Well, I'm intrigued. You are my go-to guy for cybersecurity, you know, that text you or call you or whatever, ask about this, that and the other. I know I'm not alone in uh, this industry as well. When did you see the, the tides shifting away from uh, a generalist MSP towards people having a focus on security? Um, I, I don't know that's a long story, really, but um, but I, I think that was probably in the, um, um, do they call it the teens, mid-teens, about 2015, mm -hmm. something like about then. Um, I think I think things started to change a little bit. I mean, obviously, the, the whole advent of cryptocurrencies and, and ransomware became became a thing, even though it was sort of quite niche at the time. People started to, uh, to take note of that. Um, and also, I think a lot of MSPs had gone into other niches like manage, uh, manage print and other things that way. So, so I think MSPs had adopted the idea that they could have uh, several identities, as it were. So, uh, so I saw it around then. And um, somewhat of a moment for me really was um, we, were, uh, we were using Continuum as, a, as yeah. our uh, network operations center, which was, which was great and, 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 and somewhat of a, a, you know, a step change moment for us and, and, for, uh, and for a lot of MSPs. And um, I attended a conference and uh, I can remember Michael George, you know, saying that, uh, that this was the year of uh, cybersecurity and the next year and the next year and the next year. And I was like, do you know what? He's got this absolutely right. So, uh, so I, don't take any, uh, I don't take any kudos for that, uh, you know, smarter than myself said that. But, uh, but uh, I think that was the moment I came back um, and said, now we're going to do this. We're going we're, we're gonna to do cybersecurity and I think it's the way to go and, and you know, I don't know whether that was luck or whether that was uh, foresight, but uh, but that was the moment, I think, around 2015, 16, things started to move differently. Yeah. Uh, have you ever told Michael that he was the catalyst? Do you know what? I don't think I've met him because he left and and um, and never really had a, uh, had a chance. And we've always seemed to miss each other at these events. We've just missed each other. So oh. I'm hoping maybe one day this year I might catch up with Michael and tell him. Well, I'll tell you what, we I've become good friends with Michael. We had him as a guest on the podcast the other just the other week as well. Wow. He's working in cybersecurity now. So of course, he's a victim. So I'll be sure to, uh, to pass your regards and hopefully connect you two up as well for Brilliant. Well, that would be fantastic. He's a wonderful, wonderful uh, friend and a great mentor as well. Really good. Let's talk about PaxA for a minute. I want to go back to Asterix in, in a second as sure. some of your experiences. But PaxA have made huge waves within the managed service industry. At first, I thought it was almost bizarre that MSPs were getting so excited about a, and I'm doing the, the hand quote here, about a distributor. But of course, PaxA have, have, have demonstrated they're much more than that. Why do you think... You know, what do you think is behind the popularity of PaxA amongst the managed services world? First of all, in the US, but now in the UK and Europe as well. Um, I think it's it's as ever with a lot of success stories. It, it's never one thing. Um, I think it's a combination of factors. Um, but they do the distribution thing really well. Um, I think John Street was on record as saying, you know, distribution is broken. We're go we're going to fix it, and um, and um, they do it really well. Because um, I think distributors that were um, that were traditional moving moving equipment and what have you just just weren't weren't set up correctly um, yeah, to, to work in the in the in the cloud industry. Um, so I think I think that's the what, one of the bedrocks is they, they do it really well. They've set an amazing system up that's automated that whole gain efficiencies piece, um, uh, the whole billing bit. You can have it um, build uh, direct or you can deal with it yourself. So lots of options there which MSPs like. They like that. Um, and of course, the whole accountability piece, 
great. But but I mean, okay, on its own, that that's a good, um, that's a that's a really good offering. But I think then added to that are some of the amazing staff that he that they've that they've uh, they've collected and managed to recruit. Um, and I I'm not saying that because I'm working for them. Um, some of the team I've joined are just outstanding, um, and that goes all the way through from account managers to uh, sales specialists to technical specialists and advice and marketing. They're just they're absolutely top draw in our industry. Um, and that's not by accident. They obviously uh, recruit the right people, um, but make the conditions correct for, to retain them and enthuse them and, and teach them internally in order to teach the MSPs. So they seem to have the secret sauce. They have this, this whole uh, being humble and, and um, learning from the MSPs what they need and then supplying what they need. And I think I think it seems like a fairly simple formula, but a lot yeah. of people don't get that correct. So, so I think that's that's really uh, really where we are. And of course, a great lineup of vendors. They choose vendors very very well. There's a very stiff process to uh, to get as a as a vendor uh, at Pax Eight, and quite rightly so. Um, so that's a, a really compelling argument then. Yeah, and you and I were sat in a hotel reception. I should say for the benefit of listeners, we're sat in a hotel room here, Moston <laughs> and myself. It would look odd to anyone else who doesn't know us, but. We're sat here uh, next to the bed recording this podcast away. This is the professional life of, uh, of oh, IT. Rock and roll, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, we were sat in hotel reception earlier when we were talking about how managed service providers nowadays, there is so much change, such a rapid pace. And so MSPs are leaning more and more on their account managers, on their distributor partners to point them, to signpost them in the right direction of the correct tools, resources to help them grow their business. So I think, you know, Pax8, the, the timing for coming into the market was absolutely spot on as well. And I've heard nothing but good things across the board. So, and again, I'm not just saying that because you're a Pax8 person, so opposite, but we've had a number of the Pax8 people on this podcast for good reason, because you're all world-class experts at what you do. And, uh, you know, John and Phil and the team and everyone else have pulled together this, this amazing lineup. But I guess I want to ask you, you know, it was all the way back in Tub Talk episode 32 that we last sat down. Doesn't that make us feel old there? Uh, <laughs> of course, we mentioned at the time you were running Asterix and MSP in Wales. We actually talked about, I don't know if you recall this, how to run a successful MSP in an area with no big businesses. And it, it was a very well-received episode. I'm intrigued, though, now that you're part of the Pax8 team, what has the transition from MSP to cybersecurity expert to vendor felt like for you personally? Yeah, it's quite a journey, isn't it? And, um, and uh, yeah, I can't believe it's uh, that long ago we were discussing. Yeah, uh, you know, episode 32. Um, yeah, quite a journey. Um, and uh, I guess because it's been, it's been relatively quick, but it's also been gradual. So um, moving from... Uh, selling a business and having all those small businesses, as, as, as we said in that episode, um, then becoming cybersecurity and focusing on MSPs uh, and their clients. And we have um, some some larger clients that are not MSPs as well that immediately moved out of that small business because we were working uh, we were working UK wide and Europe wide. So no longer was it that running an MSP in, a, in an area with just small small Goals, businesses. Yeah. We transitioned to, to to some MSPs that were quite large, you know. Some were like these are these are these are uh, big time MSPs. So that was that was a, a a small change, you know. They've got the same problems, but some different ones, and they look differently because they've got um, many more staff, or they've got much bigger clients, and some of those clients have got um, certain needs that that 
that you have to report on or you have to do certain things or have certain certifications for. So, um, so that was a, a learning curve, understanding those sort of things. So we ended up working for some larger companies complementing their IT companies. So um, that co-managed bit, which I know a lot of MSPs are doing now, yeah. which which is nice work, but you do have to realize that you are co-managing. You, you, you have to work with them. And sometimes that means going out and getting certain certifications or practices or, or methodologies you've got to use uh, in order to, to complement them. So um, learned a load, of, uh, a load of new things there uh, whilst doing that. So that was halfway there. And then, then of course, moving to Pax8 was, was was yeah quite a change obviously from being running your own business to, to joining a, a a large successful business um, but not as difficult as it would seem mm. because a lot of the people in the team um, uh, work as if they're in a small business they're all really motivated smart people understand uh, understand the customers and understand the partners so they try to mirror that so actually although it is a large company it has that small business feel of, of um, you know, caring for the client, looking after it, going that extra mile. I see that every day in Backstage. So, uh, so not as difficult as it would seem. Obviously, things are different. You know, yeah. things at the scale of things are different, and how we, how we deal with stuff is completely different. But um, not as not as different as a lot of people would think. Uh, so, uh, but enjoying it. That's interesting. I'm so glad you're enjoying it, and you deserve it as well, as I said. But you're the if I get your role correct, you're the senior director of security at Pax8, correct? That's correct. So, tell me, what does a typical day look like at Pax8 for you now? Well, funny enough, you 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 you're uh, you're you, you gave me a few uh, advanced sight of the uh, of the questions, so I was I thought I'll write some notes down yeah. on on what a typical day was, and I was like, well, where do I stop? Um, so a typical day for me is is there is no typical day. That's why it feels very much like a small business, I guess. And all MSPs listening, you know, a typical day for them is go to work, and then everything's different <laughs> after that. Yes. So. Um, so that is, that is a different, and, and here we are in London. You know, I was uh, earlier in the week in in the Netherlands with the uh, with with mission briefing, so presenting, talking to MSPs, and and listening, and 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 trying to uh, trying to steer them in in the way of good cybersecurity practice, um, and then over here to London to to another security conference, and then we've got Channel Sec here later in the week. Um, so doing that, so you know, traveling around and doing that is one thing. But next week's going to be back in the office. Um, following up on a lot of the things, but doing some research, um, talking with MSPs and my colleagues around new vendors, um, new approaches. How can we look at different ways and, and, and other uh, other courses and, and training that we might be able to put on? So looking on a strategic level, um, it, it's very wide ranging, very wide ranging, um, and, and a challenge, but but a really nice one, a really nice one. Um, and, um, and and probably I've missed so many out of my typical day there, but it is I've got across hopefully that yeah. um, no day is no two days are the same. Well, I was really intrigued. There's a danger. I found this as a, a speaker, uh, air quotes expert, uh, traveling around doing events and things, balancing the presenting and demonstrating uh, and given uh, putting across information to people at events and things meeting people at events but then actually being at the grassroots and still talking to MSPs on the day to day day to day helping individuals helping businesses uh, with things so do you still manage to you know got that balance in place would you say the way you're speaking to Pax8 partners and helping them with specific problems? Um, I think I think you're absolutely right there Richard I think I think that's that that is that is 
the issue. That is, that is the challenge, and I'm getting there. I think you know, it's 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 um, week by week thinking, have I got that balance right? Am, am I doing enough in this area or that area? And and you know, that's what about being you know uh, someone uh, who's looking at direction um, has to get right. You know, and you don't always get it perfect, but um, but that's very insightful. Yeah, it's always have I spent enough time back at the coalface, as it were, yeah. listening to them, and have I spent enough time being strategic and driving this forward? So um, so I haven't. I don't know whether I've got it right. I think I'm going okay so far. But um, but yeah, that that is a balancing act that I'm you know trying to pull off now. And um, and um, you know uh, you're, you're doing it well. And I'm sure I'm sure I'm following you. Oh well, thank you, mate. I, I was reflecting. I was on the train on the way down here from from Newcastle to London, and I was jumping into email. People assume. They can't email me anymore. Of course you can. I'm telling everybody <laughs> listening, you can email me. And people get surprised when I reply to the emails and say, oh, it's so good to hear from you. But it is because, like, I, I really appreciate people reaching out and having one-on-one -on -one conversations with me, yeah. you know, when a lot of my time is spent going around to events. So I'm sure you're exactly <laughs> the same. So yes. were. Yeah. Did we just give permission to people to just email us as much as we want? We're probably I think we might have, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you mentioned it already, but we're here in London uh, for a couple of events. One of them, ChannelSec, a big cybersecurity conference for managed service providers. Tell us a bit more why PaxA are part of this event. Um, I think, I, um, you know, there's lots of reasons, but but MSPs are placing much more um, importance on cybersecurity and this event is around, centred around cybersecurity. So um, so it's natural that Pax8 are going to be there because um, we, we obviously support our vendors and, 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 and need, to, uh, need to showcase that. But also, as we said previously, you know, we, we really want to understand MSPs, what their problems are, listen to some of the uh, some of the great speakers and things that are going on there, because that's what's really happening out there in the cyber world. So, um, of course, we want to be front and center with that um, and support, you know, support ChannelSec in what they're doing as well, spreading good word amongst MSPs. I've got some some really world class speakers on there tomorrow. So. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it would be it would be natural for Pax8 to be there. We, you know, it's it's just um, taken as read, I guess. That's, yeah. that's what we do. I sent an email out to um, to our community earlier this week saying, we're going to be in London. You're going to be there if you've got any questions uh, from our student. And I got a load of emails back from people saying, oh, I wish I'd have known about the event. And I've got, well, the, the first thing is we've got an events list. We promote all these events. Yeah. So pay attention, people. But the second one is the fact, and, and, and this is some great feedback I've heard about Pax8, that other vendors... I hope listening to this might pay attention to, and that's how accessible that you are as individuals, as people yeah. uh, as well. So, I mean, you'll be at the event tomorrow, Channel Sec, um, happens every year. You're very approachable. Uh, people can come up, ask you questions and things like that. That's it's just a wonderful opportunity for MSPs to, you know, pick the brains of these world-class experts that are around. So I can't speak highly enough about these type of events and the fact that you're you're out there meeting and greeting people as well. Well, yeah, it's, uh, thank you. And, um, and um, yeah, it's great. It's great. And, it's, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm learning every day. So I go and ask some of the uh, other great speakers there too. Um, and we're fortunate to be in such an amazing industry. I think we've said it before that, you know, people, people freely give uh, information, um, about anything they do, really. Um, yeah. I, I'm constantly, every, everyone sort of takes it for granted, but I'm constantly surprised yeah. um, about that. So, uh, so yeah, yeah, that, that is, that is uh, absolutely central to what PAX 8 do. And of course, we, we would be at ChannelSec doing that. Um, and yeah, I'm certainly accessible. And like you say, I know all the staff, uh, you know, really, really, um, really request that people uh, contact them directly. Yeah, let's, let's jump in with 
maybe a different tact here. You and I, we've, we've talked about how we come from perhaps a small business background initially. Uh, many of the listeners who uh, to this show run managed service providers that serve small businesses. As a result, those small business clients, they, they may not have the cybersecurity budget of the bigger business, of the enterprises that perhaps we've mentioned. What advice or how can MSPs help their clients to make the most of perhaps what might be a limited cybersecurity budget? Um, this is this is a you know an age-old problem, I think, pretty much with anything in IT, but certainly with cyber now. Um, and um, I mean, my my take on this, um, Pax Eight and, and before really, is I think we need to be very mindful of what it is we're trying to protect. So it comes back to basics, really, of you know, uh, follow that data. We're trying to prevent, prevent, uh, protect that data. That's their, that's their lifeblood um, and their reputation. So um, if they've only got a limited budget, let's, let's prioritise what's really important here, you know, um, you know w- what we're really trying to look after. Um, it's very easy to say, yes, we want, um, you know, five, six, seven, eight vendors doing all these different things, and that's great, and they've all got merit, but when you can only afford two, yeah. you need to target them. Um, so, uh, so I'm, I'm really encouraging MSPs to not just follow the tech, follow the data, and that means following the risk. You know, so go through that conversation with your with your uh, clients, and say, okay, what's at risk here, uh, and how can we how can we stop that? Let's go back to basics. Let's have a look at it from a strategic point of view, um, and then we'll come out of that knowing what we need to protect. Um, and hopefully a cost-effective way of doing it because we'll we'll concentrate on that to start with and we'll build from there. Um, and I think that's what that's what we have to do. It's difficult for MSPs sometimes because they've already gone and built a load of things yes. uh, for efficiency and 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 uh, you know database and design and all kinds of things. Um, but we really do have to start again with cybersecurity uh, and look at it from a different angle. Yeah. If I were to put you on the spot here, Austin, and say um, if you were to give advice to, let's say, I'm going to pluck it out of the air, a hypothetical situation, a local charity, minimal budget. Uh, And of course, lots of MSPs listen to this deal with charities, schools, other things of that nature. Mm -hmm. What would you say is the one cybersecurity tool or solution that really you say, look, you've got to have that in place, you know, budget or no budget, we've got to have that, you know, the foundation, the building block. Does that make sense? Uh, I think so. Obviously, everyone's different, but let's, let's be generalistic about this, really. I mean, I guess... You know, there's probably hardly a business or a charity in the land that hasn't got some form of email or online resource, um, and we all know that we all know the ones that that that, that we use there. Um, so that's got to be that's got to be something you protect, and it has actually happens also to be the number one attack yes. uh, uh, vector for, um, for 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 criminals to attack you. So it would make sense to protect that. So something like making sure they've got a really good password policy in place, um, and then two-factor authentication on top of that. Both of which are free of charge. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so, so, um, so the point is, you can really ramp up your security in a free of charge way. You know, make make your password policy consistent, put two factor authentication in place, and a way to go. Um, from other things as well, you know, um, you're, you're recording here on a, on a, on a laptop, and many charities might have that because it's a it's a, it's a, a, a um, simple way to work and and to, and to carry things around. Encryption, if that was to get lost. Again, mainly free of charge, almost almost exclusively free of charge, particularly 
particularly with the modern operating systems. So just taking the time to configure these things correctly, we've, we've incurred no cost. We've done three things here already and incurred no cost whatsoever, just taking the time to do that. Um, and then there's some relatively low cost, you know, a good, a good, um, a good uh, anti-malware product, MDR, something like that, probably in the below five pounds per user per month um, category will we'll, we'll really, really defend well, or some kind of email uh, security product, again, much less than that. So we're in that really small, small amount of cost, but the payoff is huge. Yeah. And of course, there are many, many other products you can look at, but those ones don't cost anything. Um, um, one final one that springs to mind would be um, would be the um, on-device uh, firewall. Uh, right. you know, configure that correctly again, free of charge. Just make sure it's done correctly, and so that people can do their work, but they're they're protected as well. Just 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 simple things, I guess. But yeah. uh, but you know, particularly in the charitable sector, yeah, time times are, times are tight, um, yeah. and they can get some some um, free or low cost software, but. These things are, are ostensibly free. Mm, and I mentioned charity, of course. Uh, what I was getting at is there's a lot of MSPs who will deal with clients, small business clients who have got little or no budget for these. They perhaps see Absolutely. IT as a necessary evil, not as a value add. We we know, you know, they'll come they'll come around eventually when they get there. <laughs> but for now, so the stuff that you've mentioned there can probably get them to sort of 80% of the way there. Of course, no business is ever 100% safe, but it can probably get them a long way there to staying safe, mitigating risk, but without huge amount of cost can't it so. yeah, yes and, and to go back to a previous question there really that's about consistency as well you know um, in some ways you were talking about small business there and they have got limited budget but even some of the large businesses find themselves compromised because they weren't consistent in their approach they might have spent a lot of money but it doesn't necessarily mean that things were implemented correctly across the board um, so if you can be consistent as well um, that that really, as you say, can make you in the high 80% of, of, of protection, really. And then, then we can think about the remaining amount. Yeah, and we'll delve into some of the more advanced topics shortly. But I want to stick with this sort of, um, not really grassroots, but uh, the 101 stuff here, because many MSPs I speak to can struggle to find the right information or training to help them stay skilled to combat, you know, this really fast move in cybersecurity uh, threat landscape. You've already touched upon it earlier, perhaps elaborate a bit more on resources that you would recommend to listeners to help them upskill, to help them stay ahead of the uh, threat landscape curve. Um, I guess at this point, I've definitely got to mention PAX8. We, we, we do an awful lot as a distributor. Um, we put an awful lot of resource and time and effort into, into doing that. So, you know, there's a, there's a wonderful Microsoft team at PAX8 that can, can um, can help educate and, and advise on best practice, how to harden uh, Office 365, all, all kinds of practices there, which would make, as we've just, just said, uh, a huge difference to, uh, to all kinds of customers. So there's a huge resource there straight off. Um, and um, I, um, I help deliver the, um, our Cybersecurity Masterclass, which is, a, which is a whole day free of charge to partners um, to, uh, to look at your cybersecurity and give you ideas and share ideas on all kinds of other, um, other uh, resources there. So, so, um, so that, uh, that, is, that is a start off. Um, after that, we've got lots and lots of resources out there online, which are really, really good. There are, there are, there are 
uh, many uh, websites, which I'm sure we can probably tag in the... Uh, yeah, we'll put in the show notes. In the show uh, links, notes, yeah. Uh, to, uh, I was going to, uh, forgive me for interrupting, I was going to say about those masterclasses that you run. You've got rave reviews. So I, I know the team at Pax 8 often would um, share it with us and say, hey, we've got an event going on here. By the time we got to tell the community, hey, there's an event going on, it had sold out. <laughs> People got in touch with me and said, well, you know, I'm like, I can't help it. They sell out quickly. But thank you for, for running those. And that was before you joined Pax8 as well, that you ran a lot of those events and you just sort of gave your time as a cybersecurity expert. So they got just got fantastic reviews. So totally free of charge as well to people. Great. Yeah, yes. Um, um, they, we're, uh, uh, it's not just me, um, but we have a great team that deliver all that. And um, yeah, indeed, yeah, the next two are sold out, which is, which is, which is beyond what we thought. It's, it's, it's brilliant. So, uh, so yeah. Um, people have been very kind with their uh, with their comments, but hopefully we're getting through, and that, that's the main thing. You know, we're uh, it's not uh, it's not a selling exercise; it's an exercise in trying to uh, help MSPs think differently and uh, be cost effective and and effective in in their in their cybersecurity journey. Really, that that's what we're trying to do. Yeah. Um, but there is lots out there as well. Um, there are lots of really great podcasts. There are lots of great um, resources out there. Threat intelligence is not something that you have to pay, you know, 30000 pounds a year for anymore. You can get some really good, cost-effective threat intelligence. Um, and threat intelligence, uh, excuse me, threat intelligence is um, is something that's really valuable to MSPs, but don't they, they quite often don't realise this. Um, so uh, so finding that threat intelligence and keeping yourself up to date with with what's bad out there and what will combat it in my view is really important. Um, added to that as well, a lot of the good vendors um, give lots of resources and training as part of what they've got, be it hardware firewalls, software uh, uh, applications, what have you. They will normally have a really, if they're a good vendor, they will have a really good uh, program of, of training because they, they, they want you to be effective as well. So. There are lots again of free of charge resources yeah. really uh, out there out there to do it you know alongside the traditional training and, and and many other things but that costs time and money um i think consume all the free stuff and all the stuff that's really targeted to start with and then then go from there and not to mention peer groups you know there, there's just so much of this stuff at peer groups i help out at, at certain peer groups as well to, to get out there but our industry is brilliant. There are loads of people who will share their time. So much um, great stuff, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, so, so, much so stuff. it's it's fine. Many times, it's uh, it's finding the time to fit it all in. Yeah, uh, it's not, not just a lack as a, of information. Not just as a presenter, as an MSP, it must be difficult to find the time. But yeah. um, but as ever been the case in technology, you have to learn. Yeah, where does Mostyn Thomas? Expert, renowned expert in the industry, making you blush here. But where does Mostyn Thomas turn for advice for, for to keep up to date? What are the podcasts that you listen to? What are the websites that you go to, for instance? Oh, um, yeah. Again, we'll probably put them in the notes. But yeah, um, yeah I, I, I tend to be. Uh, obviously, it would be obvious for me to say around the vendors that, that we use, but but that would be obvious. But outside there, I, I tend to, to lean into uh, into a number of uh, a number of uh, people. People like Graham Cluley. Um, Ian Thornton Trump, yeah. um, Wes Spencer in the US. Um, I, I, there's loads I can't remember off the top of my head, but a number of those guys who have been there and done it um, 
And uh, and even even people like Jennifer Bleem, who's doing sales in cybersecurity and what have you, and she's she's got some really cool stuff and some really really uh, some really interesting articles and thought provoking stuff. So uh, so yeah, I tend to I tend to go across those um, and try and spark some ideas and and copy, uh, which you know you, you've got to do what you got to do. Um, but uh, the, again, for me, there are loads of these people out there who are willing to to share for free. Uh, all, all this stuff. So, so do my own research. But, um, but yeah, I've got a number of people I go to. So uh, maybe I'll include them as well. Oh, that's wonderful to hear. When we've had uh, Jennifer Bleem on the podcast before, we've had Ian Thorns and Trump on. Funny enough, I texted uh, Jennifer and I texted back and forth. She's running an event soon. But oh, uh, again, yes. as you say, this is such a wonderful industry of, of full of experts like yourself and others who give freely of their time and experience. So, uh, for the benefit of the listeners, we'll include all of those podcasts, everything else, in the show notes here. So don't worry about having to scribble things down as you're uh, as you're out for a walk or, or a drive perhaps um we're based in the uk of course you and i are doing the interview here today in london the capital pax 8 however is a global organization but you've already alluded to the fact they're growing super fast in europe for our listeners in europe perhaps can you speak to some of the initiatives that are going on and you mentioned you've just flown in today from from europe for an event that you were putting on there yeah, um, and I mean that was that was in the Netherlands, and um, and the Netherlands are, are pretty advanced in cybersecurity uh, in the MSP industry there. So obviously a lot of synergy with with us in the UK. Um, so they probably haven't got a lot of differences, but uh, but a really a really embracing Pax Eight and really really uh, pushing ahead with a lot of uh, with a lot of great practice over there. Um, but obviously, like you say, we're, we're we're moving into lots of different countries in Europe, um, and they they've got different um, they've got different um, types of businesses and different uh, uh, vendors that they've historically been using. So so things are different in different countries. But what we're always trying to say is that you know the the uh, the fundamentals of cybersecurity are the same pretty much wherever you go. Um, so that's what we're trying to get across to them. So we, we would say we're going to bring some great vendors and what have you, and, and that's good. But we're also going to bring all this knowledge, as we previously said, um, a great team. And um, and uh, I'm really pleased that in Pax8, they are very, very heavily focused on having native uh, speaking people uh, in those countries. So we search. I know that the... the um, the uh, HR um, uh, people operations department of, of, of Pax8 work extraordinarily hard to find those 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 skilled people with the right attitude, but also native to those countries. Right. Um, so, which I think is extremely important. If, if I think if you know, uh, it's 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 the right thing to do. Um, occasionally, I have to go over there and uh, and and they have to endure my uh, English stroke <laughs> Welsh accent, um, but. Um, but uh, in general, it's 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 done in their native language, which obviously taking the time and the trouble and the effort to get the right people in the in the right language um, is is the right thing to do. But um, but seems to be winning friends and uh, and partners over there. Yeah, and, and perhaps we'll include links to European events that Pax have coming up. You've mentioned you've got initiatives in Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania. Germany, the Netherlands. So when we say Europe, there is an awful lot of Europe and the Nordics and everything covered yes, there. So, yes. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, we will do. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Let's get into the weeds a bit now. Then let's go a bit deeper. So in Europe, you've already touched upon some of the the, the vectors for, for MSPs to them and their clients to get attacked. In your experience with working with MSPs, though, what are the most common threats 
that our listeners should be aware of? What are the sort of things that, you know, you hear about MSPs getting caught out with and you're like, oh, God, you know, didn't they know yet? So what are the common stuff that MSPs can protect themselves and their clients against? Cool. So, um, so let's take let's take clients to start with, because yes. um, I think that's probably easier. It's a good call because uh, MSPs they have we got are the key holders for the kingdom, yeah, yeah. and there's a different set of threats, isn't there? So if you take if you take clients to start with, obviously um, that that's fairly universal, and there's sort of three that um, that spring to mind straight away, and then you've got to you've got to use various techniques to uh, to stop that happening. But the three would be would be phishing emails. You know, I mean that's by far the uh, the number one is out there for for all different types of reasons but phishing emails are are um are still out there they're, they're they're sent in vast quantities and obviously the majority get caught um but they only need one to get through uh the the uh, the, the threat actors so phishing emails would be the the first thing where, where we uh where we find that and added to that then in its own category i would say is sort of business email compromise mm. um seen a lot of that recently um where you know people have actually lost you know 60 80 100 thousand pounds um and it's not just you know theoretical that money's actually gone so um so that's uh just for you know yeah as you probably know but business email compromise probably starts with a phishing email but it's highly targeted it's been highly researched first um they they, they know their target they're gonna they're, they're really gonna pursue you with maybe thousands and thousands of phishing emails before one gets through or a member of your staff probably probably not yourself um and then the third one would be ransomware again mainly uh mainly uh delivered via phishing mail but not exclusively sometimes sometimes not um but obviously it's 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 a money-making exercise it's an extortion exercise um it's it's thoroughly uh disagreeable in every way really but still out there a lot of people think it's gone um still a lot out there um and uh you know there's been some defenses and some uh disaster recovery uh um Vendors have, have, have caught up to a certain extent with some things, um, but some of the ransomware gangs now are, are not bothered about that. They will just copy your mail and publish it on the internet. So um, copy your, your data, should I say, and publish it on the internet, um, which of course has got the whole reputational and the PII risk and all that things as well. Yeah. So um, so yeah, make no mistake, they're criminals. They they you know, they do what they do. Um, so they would be the top three. They're they're sort of related in some ways, but not always. Uh, not always. Um, and uh, and they need they need attention. Um, and obviously, the way to, 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 to do that is is um, through some some uh, some technical means. You know, you can put email filtering in place, which helps a lot. You know, some of the some of the best will will get those will get those phishing mails down to the the tens or below. You know, maybe that per per uh, per month. Um, business email compromise and uh, uh, and that type of problem really is a training issue. So we're, we're talking about security awareness training now. Um, and and uh, I think some people deliver that, but not enough people are still not delivering this mm. in a really effective way as well. You can't just send an automated thing out and expect, you know, people not to just realize it's a, it's a training exercise. I think, you know, you need to compromise it with... Um, with face-to-face -face and complement it then with with maybe um, you know automated stuff to to, to see the effectiveness, but um, tailoring it to that company and what have you is really important so that um, they so that they don't just recognise it as a phishing email so that it's it's uh, it's really pertinent to them um, and they can learn the lessons of that because it may come along uh, in the in the near future. Um, ransomware, of course, you can get some really really. Um, 
sophisticated uh, MDR products now, and uh, uh, um, uh, that will that will guard against a lot of ransomware or roll back and whatever you. So obviously MSPs can fill that gap by by explaining these uh, these uh, products to uh, to clients, and if we can get them installed first, they've got an antidote, as it were. Yeah. I'm intrigued. You mentioned about business email compromise. Would that be the same as spear phishing? I've heard it called. Or well, I guess yes, spear yeah. phishing. Um, uh, I think the difference between um, spear phishing tends to be the mode that they gain access. Uh, what they do after then is they basically do nothing. Um, so they sit and watch the network, or maybe, maybe yes, maybe um, maybe gain another way. I have a recent example of. Um, someone spear phishing doing that and they didn't really know they'd been compromised um, and then they were using two-factor authentication but because they'd done that and they'd, they'd used the technique where they could add a second factor themselves so they had their own two-factor authentication so you think you're you're operating uh, nice and securely which in 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 normal times you were um, um, this 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 way they uh, they had their own two-factor um, and afterwards, it was obvious to see there was a second two-factor device uh, on the tenant. But at the time, uh, it wasn't. And um, that particular company lost in excess of £100,000. Oh so, uh, uh, yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, not to mention the, you know, IT costs and all kinds of other costs, you know, it doesn't come on its own, does it? It's, uh, it's all those things, those sleepless nights and what have you, which you can't really quantify. Um, so, um, so yeah, yeah. Business email compromise is, is a particularly horrible uh, attack, um, yeah. and they normally smallish businesses of which the hundred thousand pounds is a is is not a joke. No, devastating. Yeah. So clearly, based on what you said, there, email is still the main vector of attack. That would be the main area that uh, MSPs should be looking to protect their clients in. Of course, not exclusively, but that tends to be the main area of uh, vector of attack. Absolutely. If you were to speak directly now to the managed service community, to the MSPs listening to this, based on your experience, what's the number one mistake that you see MSPs making, which you just wish you could say, stop, come on. <laughs> Obviously, MSPs are small businesses as well. So all those things we talked about, about email, they're, they're all relevant as well. Clearly, you know, you need two-factor authentication. You need all those things, of course. But... Um, uh, I, I think I think the number one thing I would say about MSPs is to say what you don't do to your clients, mm. um, because uh, so many have said, "Oh yeah, they." You know, I'm talking to them and they're going, "Yeah," and I'm saying, "Oh, do they? Do they think you do this already? You know, do you offer this service separately?" And they're like, "No, no." So I said, "Well, if you don't offer that service separately, there's two possibilities: they either think you do it automatically or they don't." And I said. My guess is that they probably think you do this already. So, um, you know, sort of the status quo is you've, you've signed up for this already. You're going to recover them from ransomware. You're going to clear up their, their network. You're going to do all this stuff if they happen to click on that, you know, that spear phishing email. Um, so that would be my number one thing is just go, again, doesn't cost anything. Go to your clients and say, this is what we do cover. More importantly, this is what we don't. Yes. Obviously, being a sales, you know, be, be, uh, if you're an MSP, you've got to be a salesperson as well. You've yeah. got to say, but I can do this for you and either do it internally or get someone else to do it or whatever. But I think that would be, if we're going to go for one thing, yes. that, would be the, that would be the one thing. Uh, really define what it is you've got rather than just an SLA that says, we do everything in this time or we, we guarantee to fix this and we do that, but define the this. Oh my goodness, Martin, that is absolute gold right there. I, I genuinely haven't heard anybody put it that way. 
before now, and one of, of course, MSPs listening to this will know the horror or the frustration that you experience if, or I should say, when something goes wrong and the client says, we assumed you were looking after that for us. Yeah. And that situation where it's like, no, we told, you know, or we didn't tell you and, you know, awful situation. So really good advice there. So, uh, yes, make sure to tell people what you're doing and not doing for them. Make it make sure to to put the the lines of responsibility clearly out there. And of course, as you've said, a great um, upserving opportunity there as well. Um, Of course, you never know. Yeah. Can we talk mindset for a minute? I know it might sound an odd topic for, for you know, a highly technical subject, but what type of thought process or mindset do you think MSPs should perhaps be cultivating internally? You know, when they're faced with these growing cybersecurity challenges, things are changing so quickly, how can they cultivate a mindset internally uh, that thinks security first? Um, yeah, I'm just, you just you just said it seems really strange, but for me, it's second nature. That's that's what I'm always focused on, particularly yeah. here at Pax 8, but was uh, at, at Asterix. Um, that mindset piece is really, really important for MSPs because you have to deal with such a diverse amount of clients and their software and their providers you can't always dictate what's going on you have to have that that flexibility as an msp anyway so if you're going to have any constants they've got to be about mindset they've got to be about this is how we do things here um and i would say that the constants those those mindset things is you need to again like i said earlier follow that data you need to be a risk mindset so so that's not always saying no that's not always saying, no, we can't do this, no way, it's insecure, whatever, you. because in its way it's insecure because people will ignore it or just won't, won't deal with it. Um, but we have to go with that whole risk-based approach. Governance, risk and compliance is the, uh, is the buzz phrase, as it were, but it actually does mean what it says. You know, we, we basically need to assess what risk is and then, um, and then you know, put things in place to do it. And in, I guess in MSP language, it would be think like a hacker. If you had to break into your own system, how would you go about it? Mm. Um, I guess police and people say this about your own house, don't they? I think, yeah. you know, if you're going to secure look your house, look at it from yeah. the outside and see, what, you know, how would you break in? How would you get over that fence or whatever? Um, and, and you have to do it. And it sounds really simple, but a lot of people then sit back in their chair at this point and go, that's a really good question. Um, and then they start thinking about how they break in a while. And I say, no, you need to be really serious now. Imagine that, you know, the business depended on you breaking in. It's that important to you because your attacker will think in exactly the same way. Um, so thinking about it that way, um, will will you, you'll come up with all kinds of ideas. You're an MSP, you're smart, you know, you're used to solving problems. You will get in. Um, and guess what? Someone else would as well. Um, and then if you translate that to your clients and go, if I was going to try and break into you, this is what I would do, um, then you've got something really good to tell. You've got a compelling argument at that point. We're not even talking about technology at that point, maybe. Maybe we're talking about a physical access. Maybe we're talking about trying to get some uh, information off someone by social engineering them. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so um, lots of different ways. I guess to have one nugget again would be think like a hacker or think think like someone who's trying to break in because ultimately that's what people are trying to do they're trying to disrupt you or break in or steal things from you um and um and i think that would be my that would be my number one thing great advice you've got my heart beating a little bit faster here i've got to share it with you i'm, I'm sweating a little bit because my mind wandered then 
to my business and looking from the outside of the house in. Never never heard that analogy before, but really well put. And I'm, I was suddenly like, oh, what about that? What about that? I think we're covered. I think we're covered. But again, for MSP, he's got to go back and uh, look at those things. Uh, I love that. They're absolutely valuable. We've talked about mindset for MSPs, and I love what you've said there. Lots of uh, people might be listening to this, though, and they have a hard job. I don't want to say persuading, but impressing upon clients the importance of cybersecurity. And I speak to MSPs day in, day out, you know, at conferences. I get emails from people who are having sleepless nights because their clients are not taking cybersecurity as seriously as they are as the MSP. And I always say, my great friend and mentor, Carl Palachuk, says, you can't take your clients' network more seriously than they do. You know, you can't look after it uh, uh, perhaps uh, or, or, or think about the risks more than they do. What advice would you give to MSPs to help impress upon their clients the seriousness of cybersecurity? Um, I totally agree with Carl, absolutely. Yeah. They've got to take responsibility. It is their network at the end of the day. You try your best, but but it ultimately it's theirs. If they're, if they're going to... Uh, if they're going to absolve themselves, you, you, you've really got little chance. Um, um, I think that you can't have a rigid approach here because in the same way that you can't have a rigid approach as an MSP, all your clients are different. You can have a general approach, but but I think you've, you've, got, to, you've got to take each one as they are. Um, I found um, that, that um, describing or getting stories together that would, that would resonate with decision makers. Um, and I'm always uh, trying to impress on MSPs, you need to get in that board table, uh, you know, that board table and and and, uh, and influence those decision makers. And, you know, in a small business, the board table might be just the MD's desk or whatever. But um, but more often than not, there's a, there's a senior team of two or three people who make decisions, financial and strategic. Um, I think you need to get in front of them and give them an idea of what potentially could go wrong and how you can help. Um, and that, that I think is making it real. Don't go to them with, uh, uh, with, with stories around, you know, uh, you know, big name hacks and things like that, because everyone has seen it, but everyone sort of dismisses it. So what you need to do really is make that real for them. So if they're a legal firm, for instance, go and find, again, we were talking about those online resources. Yeah. There's lots of really trusted online resources, you know, the information commissioner's office for one. Um, you can find all kinds of really good case studies. Um, and uh, and say, look, this is what happened to this particular company. They're just like you, um, and I don't want you know you're one of my customers. I don't want that to happen to you. Um, so this is what I suggest. Can we talk about this? Um, so try and make it relating to them. And I know a lot of MSPs do that already about you know databases and cloud services and what have you already. Just continue on that. But you need to think again. Think like a hacker, and then present maybe the bad news, but the good news as well, or how how we can maybe use this to improve productivity by doing something differently. Um, so always try and sell the up bits, uh, the the upside of these things as well. But I think I think that's really important to get them to identify. Um, there are lots of other resources which I've uh, seen some MSPs using as well. Um, you know, there, there's a network of, of cyber resilience centers around the country, which are run by the police. Um, so a trusted resource, and they will help you either presenting to companies or giving you case studies. Obviously, they, they change the names, as it were. Um, but they will give you lots and lots of really good information, again, free of charge, or they just, what they really want is MSPs to engage with them. Um, 
and, and just try and present to it. Maybe lunch and learns, get a load of them together, you know, beer and pizza, whatever that might be, and just give them some really good advice. Again, MSPs are great at sharing advice with yeah, the yeah. peers. Um, do the same with the customers. Don't expect to sell anything, just share advice, you know, maybe how to keep secure at home, you know, encrypt your devices or something like that. Just anything that you can do in that way to get that that point. I guess, guess what we're saying here is you're a trusted partner as an MSP. You've got to be now a trusted security partner. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Remind me of the uh, the local resource centres that you mentioned again, run by the police. Oh yeah, the cyber resilience centres. Cyber resilience centres. Yes. So we'll include that in the show notes as well. That's a, a new one to me, but that absolutely makes sense for people yeah. to engage. You know, I've said before about MSPs engaging engaging with local colleges to find um, you know good quality people, but engage with the local police force. I did it. One of the first things that we did as an MSP in Birmingham, engage with West Midlands Police. So yeah. we, you know, it's a reciprocal arrangement. And then yeah. the police want to reduce the amount of cybercrime out there but they can't do it alone so absolutely you know, great opportunity there yeah. yeah um i mentioned in your intro here that you're a qualified cyber essentials assessor so for the benefit of listeners what cyber essentials and why should msps be looking into it and i should preface that by saying or qualify that by saying we've got a global audience for the podcast here okay. is cyber essentials a uk only thing or um oh right yes cyber essentials is Predominantly UK, yeah. but if every any uh, any other company from Europe or, or global um, wants to deal with, say, UK government or or a company who's supplying UK government, they probably will have to abide by Cyber Essentials as well. Um, and they may want to become Cyber Essentials certified because they want to get into the UK market. Um, so so it's 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 not it's not a, it's not a bad thing and it's not exclusive absolutely and um as asterisk we, we we've supplied uh, certificates to, to companies all over europe right. so uh so um yeah they they tend to be ones who've maybe got a dual presence maybe a presence in the uk and in i don't know greece or something wherever that, that might be yeah. so um so to go back to your original question um it's a it's a it's a framework and a certification scheme. So um, that is a basically a set of questions around cybersecurity um, that uh, companies answer those questions, um, and based on the answers, uh, an assessor will mark them, and they will either pass or fail. There's two uh, two levels to cyber essentials. That's the question and answering. Uh, um, part which i've obviously oversimplified there you have to you have to attest to it to say you've uh, you know be a senior member of uh, of the company and and you, that you're telling the truth um so that that's the basic level and after the base you've passed the basic level you can then go on to the plus which a lot of people uh, insist on because they it, it is an audited uh, version of this so an assessor like myself or or one of the team in asterisk or many of the uh, other certification bodies around the uk um will will run a technical test on based on the equipment and the answers that you gave in the in the self-assessment so uh, marking your homework as it were um, but it is not a pen test as such but it it, it got, it's much more wide-ranging than a pen test not as not as in-depth but more wide-ranging around a a a a, a, um, a wide area of cybersecurity. So everything that's that's internet-based from um, do you have two-factor authentication on your on your cloud applications to have you got a password policy to uh, will your device uh, fend off basic malware attacks? Um, you know, the, the engineers run run pretend malware um, and see whether it will get through your defenses. Um, all the way through to um, through to policy and procedure, what have you got in place? So it's it's um, it's a 
as the clue in the name would say, essentials. It is yes. it is a basic uh, level cybersecurity uh, certification, but a wide ranging and quite effective one. Um, and uh, and and a lot of studies and, and data has, has, uh, has indicated that it's, it's very effective. I think you know seventy or eighty percent effective against uh, basic commodity internet attacks. So uh, so why wouldn't you do that? And it or th- th- there's two two other benefits that one is it's not particularly expensive. The the, the basic one is between three and five hundred pounds, um, which is let's be honest not very expensive. Um, and the the audited one you know probably ranges between twelve. Twelve hundred pounds, and it depends on the size of your company. Maybe three or four thousand pounds if you're a big company, um, but still for a cybersecurity standard that's been audited, um, pre- pretty good. So you've got some peace of mind, and you've got some probably really useful data from that from that audit. Um, but another plus of that would be, of course, you get a, a government-backed badge uh, to display on your signature website, whatever, to show other companies or clients or vendors or whatever that you take cybersecurity seriously. Right, of and also, you can search on the on the government website to see whether you're actually telling the truth. Um, so, so I can I can uh, I can look up a company who's got the badge and see whether uh, and anyone can uh, can to see whether they are actually certified or not. Um, so, so it's a it's 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 a really good way to demonstrate your your mindset that we were talking about earlier. Really, you know, as a company, if you've got the right mindset, you'll probably go and do this. Um, and it may be easy to pass if you've got brand new equipment and you've got good practices. It may be more of a challenge if you haven't. But yeah. the whole point is that you want to be secure. So um, a really good, really good scheme has been going about nine years now and, and actually um, is quite well respected now around the world. A lot of other countries and places are, are looking and thinking, yeah, we've, we've got something, but something that doesn't demonstrate a certificate quite as well. So, uh, so yeah, a really, really good scheme. Mm, excellent. And, uh, and again, we'll include in the show notes links, um, you know, to Cyber Essentials and um, everything that goes along with it there, because I highly recommend it for MSPs to look into. Absolutely. And I would go as far as to say the vast, vast majority of the most progressive MSPs are already uh, entering or have, uh, have done that area. So, uh, yeah, let's get nerdy for a minute. Let's get a little bit geeky. You know, we've both been itching to do this, but <laughs> joking aside, Pax8 has got quite the marketplace <laughs> now of cybersecurity tools, platforms for MSPs. There's, you know, lots out there. Are there any tools or platforms in the Paxite marketplace that have particularly caught your attention that, that you'd like to draw, you know, from a, you look at it and go, oh my goodness, that is good. I've got to tell people about that. Yes. Well, funnily enough, you were you were mentioning Acronis and Acronis of Yeah, of we were talking words. earlier. Yeah. I'm blown away with some of the stuff Acronis are doing at the moment. Yes. Um, as, as, as a, as a um, you know, a total package, as it were, you know, so a, a whole system. Um, you know, they're way more than most people think they are. Even MSPs, um, you know, know them for, for, for some of the things they've done previously. And, uh, but, but they're really pushing ahead with some really uh, cutting edge tech. Um, and and uh, in true Pax Eight fashion, easy to manage. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that would be one that would be that would be well worth a look at. Um, I think um, I think uh, you know going on my theme of of, of security, obviously, um, in my in my area, I would say probably Sentinel One. Um, a lot of people know that. I'm not telling anyone new there, but it is a really really good product. Um, and um, 
And uh, I see uh, there's a lot of specialists uh, in inside Pax8 who know it inside out. And I can see when, when it's configured well, it, it is very impressive indeed. Um, so, so yeah, uh, uh, and all our equipment has, has got that on. So, so that's a good one. Um, but one that's, uh, that's certainly on the up as well, which, which sort of fits perfectly into what I'm bringing to, uh, to Pax8, you know, with, to the partners, to showing them what, um, showing how to sell to clients and how to how to deal with well, how to deal with with cybersecurity would be would be a service called connect secure mm. um which is which is um covering a number of angles actually around the uh, vulnerability management around asset discovery and then remediation lists um and um and and some some other some other bits which are in beta coming out as well around around the sort of gdpr element as well um it is a really really good product um, and um, and it's, it's growing very very quickly. So so that's that's a really really. I, I, I wish I was using it when I was an MSP. If I was an MSP, I definitely would be using it now. That's the proof of the pudding, isn't it? I I, I think long time listeners to the show will hear me say, I wish that was around when I was running an MSP and not yeah. trying to be the old men of the industry. But <laughs> that's the proof of the pudding. I think when you look at it all and go, oh, that would have made life so much easier or so oh, much absolutely. better for us back then. So yeah. so you mentioned uh, Sentinel One and Connect Secure uh, and Acronis Indeed. as well there. So on the subject of Acronis, I was part of the big Acronis Cyber Summit, uh, or Cyber Secure Summit in Miami, Florida last year. I was blown away by the innovation that Acronis has shown with some of their products. What's Pax8's relationship with the likes of Acronis? What does that look like in reality? Um, it's um you know you know they're they're a, they're a vendor and we've got lots of vendors but I think I think some vendors have a, a really close relationship you know and, and uh, a close partnership so um, um, my my experience with with Acronis is that you know they they give uh, they give a lot of co collaboration with their software but they also give a lot of collaboration with their marketing and with their uh, with their hospitality and how we how we help partners uh, go to market and 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 uh, and sometimes you know take them away with some some nice places as well obviously mm. they've got sponsorship deals with uh, with lots of uh, lots of high end sporting and other 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 activities so. Um, so I think that whole marketing go-to-market piece, and you know the the intelligence and training that they bring as well, um, makes a big difference. Because obviously, when you're dealing with an advanced product, you you need training. So um, yeah, that 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 would be that would be key to that. Really, is that uh, they 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 bring they bring all that to the party. Yeah, great company, um, and I think they're one of the best kept secrets in yeah. managed services, which is bizarre considering the size of the company. Absolutely, that they yeah. are. But I was saying to you earlier. Um, I was super impressed. They've got a huge presence with MSPs, IT support providers in Europe, in Latin America, right. but somehow in uh, in the UK, perhaps, and, and uh, to a lesser degree, uh, the United States or North America. You know, people have got preconceptions about who they are. And we want to shatter those preconceptions because they really are doing, you know, wonderfully innovative work. So, yeah, yeah. check out Acronis. But thank you for mentioning all, all three of those. We can uh, We can go and have a look at them. I want to change tact as we come towards the end of our uh, time here. I'm very respectful of your time, and I know there's lots of people who want to speak to you, but who do you consider an influence on your career? You've been an MSP, you've been a, a you know, cybersecurity expert, you are uh, now working as a vendor as one of the world's top cybersecurity experts as well. Are there any authors, mentors, coaches that you'd encourage our listeners to go and check out who have been a, an influence on you? Um uh, you mentioned that you might ask me this. 
And, uh, and I spent five minutes sort of thinking about it and I wrote a couple of names down and I wrote some names down and thought, oh my gosh, people are just going to go, what is he talking about here? Um, because um, I guess my mindset, I tend to go off in different directions and pull from different things. So you might think that, uh, you know, I'd written a couple of names down here like Simon Sinek, which would be fairly obvious, but I do like that, you know. Uh, looking for your why and what have you, you do like yeah. that way of things um, but I've got I've got a couple written down here and, and sort of um, from a motivational point of view from a personal motivational point of view as well Jim Collins mm. um, love built to last good to great, great yeah. fantastic things um, I've become a bit of a Mal Malcolm Gladwell fan as well mm. so uh, so 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 yeah I think I've, I've read just about everything from him um, so uh, I'd also written down Chip and Dan Heath so uh, yes Yes. Uh, love that that's great so I, I as you can see I'm quite eclectic in this mm. and and one of my other ones which I had to mention would be Matthew Syed uh, black box thinking yeah. and what have you it's just I, that's how I work that's how I work so so not really techie really no uh, that's interesting but I would say all of those have been big influences on me great authors for anybody listening to this if you've not followed their work before go and check it out because I speak to so many you know incredibly smart people and successful people like yourself on this podcast these names keep coming up again and again nothing to do with tech but everything to do with mindset perhaps so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so sorry to be predictable but... not at all not at all and you know um uh, and when I say these names come up again and again quite often when I ask people that question they tell me you know technology and futurists and things of that nature yeah. But actually, mindset, as we've already re referenced, has got a huge part of what success in this industry actually means. So yeah. following these people can can really bring incredible benefits. So thank you for sharing them all. And again, for the benefit of listeners, we will include all of those names in show notes there. But uh, hopefully some of them will be uh, familiar to you. And if not, you're going to get a lot of value out of checking them out. I'm also intrigued as a friend. What does Mostyn Thomas do when he's not been this cybersecurity expert? What do you do in your downtime? <laughs> you want to hear that? I, I create Python code and do all things like that. I suspect that's not the case. But tell me that what. is that is absolutely <laughs> not the case. Yeah, I, I, I do. When I switch off, I do absolutely switch off. So, so obviously you 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 know anyway, Richard. But um, I live in sort of rural South Wales. Um, so so do a lot of that rural stuff. Go walking, but more importantly, mountain biking is my thing as a group of us will go out so we just whenever we get a chance we're out um and uh just being out you know phones off just go and do that thing is that is our thing really um and that we and, and that same sort of gang of people normally tend to be the guys who go uh, go mountain biking we uh we're very regular in booking places and going as a, a huge group of with kids now probably 25 30 people um in fact last weekend i've just come back from devon so um so, yeah, going and descending on somewhere and hopefully leaving it better than when we came back uh, <laughs> is, something, is something that I definitely do. Um, uh, yeah, so, so that would be me, really, do, do all those sort of things. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, of sports. I like going watching lots of sports. My, um, my son is, is, in, is in America in university playing, playing football or soccer, as I'm now supposed to call it. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so huge football fan, but um, also been um, a huge motorsport fan. So I go and watch a lot of motorsport. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, can I ask you a question about this? I've never spoken to you as a friend, but, but am I right in saying that you were once a member of the, the Toyota Europe rally team? Yes, yeah, that, that is actually true, yeah. Wow, tell yeah. us more. Uh, so, so um, 
Yeah, that, it's a while ago uh, in a previous lifetime. But um, yes, I was, uh, I, was a, I was a member of the uh, uh, Toyota Team Europe and uh, I was a member of the service team. So you can imagine I was technical, obviously. Um, still a geek then. So I was uh, sort of half mechanical and half electrical. So, so you know, hence probably where the origins of, of computer systems we were running at the time came from. But um, that did involve, you know, running around the UK and Europe, um, servicing cars and uh, and just being part of the whole petrol head lad culture. Really. It was living <laughs> the dream, if you know what I mean. But um but uh, yeah, it was it was a great. I did that for about three years, and it was it was it was amazing. It was great, you know, absolutely brilliant times and loads. And met met a lot of people that uh, were my heroes really at the time. You know, the, these drivers, but they were so approachable. Um, and uh, and I guess you know you always try to think whenever whenever you're whenever you're doing anything, you'd like to be as approachable as they were. They were fantastic, and uh, still see some of them now. If I'm, uh, uh, you know, they tend to just be wandering around, and no one really knows who they are now because. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking in excess of 20 years ago here yeah. but uh but yeah yeah great times great times and i i i'm i am the geek unfortunately when people who go to watch motorsport go and watch go to the bend and watch that i'm in the service part talking to the mechanic <laughs> but uh you know there we are what can you do oh mustin this has been absolutely fantastic to sit down with you thank you for making the time to uh to sit in a hotel room next to a bed <laughs> and talk cyber security so uh <laughs> i'm never gonna forget it rick <laughs> well, I've, I've, I've sat with some of the world's top experts on their beds in hotel rooms, Mike Michalowicz, and I actually lay on a bed and did oh, wow. a podcast interview. So you're in you're in great company there. But perhaps before we go down that road too much, I'll uh, I'll draw a veil over that conversation. But I know you've you've already been on the podcast before. You made a lot of uh, friends uh, as a result of that. A lot of fans, uh, people listening to you. I know there's going to be a whole new generation of people now who come across your work uh, and absolutely want to reach out to you and continue the conversation. So anybody listening to this, they want to find out more about PAX 8, they want to come and join you at a, a workshop, or indeed they just want to reach out and have a conversation with you. How can they find you? Uh, but I guess normal normal ways, uh, Richard, you know, so um, I'm happy for people to email me at PAX 8, so mthomas at pax8.com. Um, uh, I'm on LinkedIn. Um, I get I, I do loads on LinkedIn, so yeah. just my name. Obviously, you're going to put it in the show notes anyway. Um, uh, so, and I don't tend to do many other social media channels because keeping in touch with them all, um, I just don't. So, uh, so, so they're my two really. But if you email me or on LinkedIn, I will definitely get back to you. Um, and as far as Pax Eight goes, you know there are loads of resources. I think forward slash, uh, yeah, you know the European site uh, security. There's loads of links on there to all kinds of resources. Um, they're just great. I mean, they just get better and better every day. Um, and I don't know whether my contact details are on there, but they'll be on your website. We'll, we'll make sure they're in the show notes. And for the benefit of listeners as well, we've put together a, a website, uh, uh, tublog.co.uk forward slash PAX8, because there is so much good stuff that oh. we'd, be, we'd spend another half an hour giving out URLs on there. But we've got the one site with everything on there and links Real. to everything else. Or you can go to uh, to our uh, the, the, the blog accompanying this uh, podcast and we'll include everything in the show notes there as well. But, Sounds uh, great. Mustin, this has been a real treat. Thanks for your time, my friend. I appreciate it. Been great. Been great. Thanks, Richard. Cheers. Hey folks, Richard here. Thanks for listening today. I know you've got a ton of options for who you listen to nowadays, so I really appreciate your support. Do you have any feedback on this episode? Ideas for future guests? Tweet me at Tublog using the hashtag TubTalk. I respond to every tweet and really appreciate your feedback. 